Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Kira, I don't want to uh, toot my own horn. I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I will. But you're going to? I went 6-0 and last week in my picks. I went 4-2 and against the number. I mean, it wasn't that difficult because a lot of wild card weekend, the game sucked and teams were big underdogs. Like, nobody was going to be like, ah, the Steelers are going to go beat Kansas City. Or nobody picked the Eagles to go down to Tampa and win that football game. But 4-2 and against the number, I feel good about it. Uh, we'll go through the numbers again, and I'm sure this will be a weekend where I go 0 and 1, 2, 3, 4. 0 and 4. There are four games to get to. And I want to play a little what if uh, for each scenario, what is going to play out possibly long term, as in next season and the future with all of these games. Uh, we're going to end the show, like I mentioned, with Grant Cohen from Sports Illustrated talking about the Niners and Packers. But I want to start with the Niners and Packers so we can put some space into all of this Green Bay conversation if you're watching us on the espn des moines facebook page hello make sure you like us follow us on twitter at espn dsm yes i am di- i busted out the big guns i busted out the charles woodson jersey we need all the good juice we can get going into this one as the packers welcome san francisco to lambeau field uh Kira, i'm gonna have you play number six first here because all this week now, the Packers had the bye. The Packers were 13-4. and four. The Packers were the team that won the NFC North. But all this week, all I have heard, and I, I kind of get it, but all I've heard is that this is a terrible matchup for my Green Bay Packers facing this San Francisco 49ers team. And it stems from a guy on ESPN who I like, I enjoy, Dan Orlovsky. It's the worst matchup the Packers could have gotten. It's a bad seven-day stretch for the Packers, knowing that San Francisco comes back, beats the 49ers, then they go on, excuse me, the Rams, then they go on the road. And truthfully, I know we're talking about the end of the game, they should have hammered Dallas. Just because they kicked field goals is what kept the game close and then the Jimmy G interception. Yep. This is a football team. If you had to sit down, and RC knows this, and write a script of how to beat the Green Bay Packers right now, every detail that would be in the, on that list is who the San Francisco 49ers are. I think RC phrases them the best. They are, what do you call them, unapologetically themselves? Do they know themselves yeah. better than any, right? Self-aware, so, man. Exactly. So they could run the football. That's the weakness of the Green Bay defense. They got a front that could rush. They got disciplined coverage unit. They got a really speedy athletic linebacker unit. And the last thing I'd say is this. It's the teacher versus the mentor. It's Kyle Shanahan versus Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur knows a lot of what he knows because of learning under Kyle Shanahan. I hope they play that thing on loop. I hope they type that thing out and put it in the Lambeau Field locker room for Green Bay to look at all week long it's an I, I understand and i'll talk about this in just a second but is there no respect to the number one seed in the nfl is there no respect to the number one team in the nfc playing at home where the temperature is going to be zero degrees is there no respect for one of the best offenses and statistically one of the best defenses overall in the national football league you listen to orlovsky right there you're going to think Green Bay is going to lose tomorrow night. And they might lose. It's happened. I mean, there have been games where Green Bay should have won at Lambeau Field in the playoffs. The Giants came in and beat them. The Niners came in and beat them a couple of years ago when it was like negative 50 degrees or whatever. So it can happen. But you listen to this, guys like Orlovsky and all these. At some point, 
you know, Green Bay is probably going to look at this and be like, wait a damn minute here. We're the number one seed. We have the MVP. We have potentially the coach of the year. We have the best wide receiver in football. We have all of these weapons. Why are we getting no respect? And I hope that inside that locker room, they're playing the no respect card. Because while San Francisco does provide a ton of challenges for Green Bay, they have their limitations as well. And speaking of limitations, their limitation number one is Jimmy Garoppolo. All right? We're going to hear from Jimmy coming up in just a second. But San Francisco does present, and I'm not knocking the the entirety of what Orlovsky has to say, but San Francisco does present some challenges here for for the Green Bay Packers. And it does kind of start with that run game. There is no doubt whatsoever that San Francisco, if they can – and it may not get to this point, depending on how well they play defensively. But if they can, you know, they say the best way to beat Green Bay is to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. Well, the best way for San Francisco to win might actually also be to not let Jimmy Garoppolo throw. Last week against Dallas, he threw for 172, no touchdowns, and an interception. It was a bad interception as well. So offensively, what San Francisco is going to want to do is keep this game short. They're going to want to run, be effective, and they have the, the, the catch to do it, too. I mean, Eli Mitchell, I talked about him last week going into that Dallas game. I don't know what percentage Eli Mitchell was going to be at, but he ran 27 times. They gave him the football 27 times in his belly for 96 yards. I think he caught a pass or two as well and scored a touchdown. Then they come back and hammer you with the lightning with Debo Samuel who had 13 total touches, 110 yards, and a touchdown. And maybe not in a specific run play, but they can get the ball out to Brandon Ayuk very quickly, and he and Debo Samuel work so well in space. Don't be surprised if you're a Green Bay Packers fan if these guys are running free from time to time. But if Green Bay can play defense at times and get off the field, or at times well enough to get into third and longs, that's where the, the game is going to be won and lost. Can they get Jimmy Garoppolo to, to throw the football? Because Jimmy G is not exactly Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, even Tom Brady. On the other side of the football, ESPN's Jeff Saturday was talking about the 49ers defense matching up against Green Bay's offense. The 49ers do a really good job in their defense of making teams check the ball down, which means they make them earn every drive to get it down. They're not going to give up a ton of explosive plays. They're going to do a nice job on Adams. They'll give Adams help. I mean, they'll give the defensive backs help to cover Adams. So that means Rodgers is going to have to look elsewhere. So I think the plan is very similar for them. But the ifs that you presented with Warner and Bosa not being able, if they can't play, hand in the middle of the field could be exposed in a big way because they love to rush for Bosa's a huge part of that and then obviously Warner in the middle of the field as of right now we don't know if Bosa is going to play he's in the concussion protocol Uh, I think if this game was on Sunday Niners fans would be a lot happier than this game being played on Saturday night giving Bosa an extra day Uh, but I I will find that one out within the coming hours because as of right now it's just afternoon on the Friday before the game it's being played tomorrow night Um, you know we just don't know about that yet but you go ahead double Devontae if you double Devontae Adams, that's fine. No, it hasn't worked for a whole lot of people, and when it does, they do have other guys that can catch the ball. Will Marquez Valdez-Scantling be able to go? He's the guy that can take the top off the defense. You know, th- these two coaches know each other so well because they were on staffs together. I think you've probably seen the meme at this point of the three coaches that were all on 
Todd Haley's staff uh, of the, uh, the, the, the 49ers. I, or J, excuse me, not Todd Haley. Jay Gruden's staff when he was the head coach of the Washington football team. And they were all so young. Shanahan was there, and so was uh, Matt LaFleur. LaFleur was asked about his relationship with the guy on the other side, Kyle Shanahan. We're very close friends, certainly a guy that I respect as much as anybody in this profession, not only just from for the opportunities that he provided for myself, my family. Shoot, my brother wouldn't be where he is today either with, without the help from Kyle. He's a guy that we've learned a lot of ball from. And I think that's the thing that, I respect the most out, uh, you know, from him is not only how he, he, you know, treated us, and but how he educated us in the game of football. That guy right there has 39 wins in his first three years. It's the most in the history of the National Football League for a head coach in his first three seasons. And you know what he's got to show for it? Two NFC Championship losses. And this is a game with the berth on the line of the NFC Championship for the third straight year for Green Bay, that could affect a lot of his legacy. His early, and I don't love legacy talk. I think it's so lame sometimes. But if Matt LaFleur, with this roster, with this quarterback, if this guy and this team can't get back to the Super Bowl, and who knows what the future holds? We're going to play what if about the Packers here in just a second. I mean, ESPN's Rob Domovsky. He was on... Uh, Greeny show earlier this week here on ESPN Des Moines and said, look, this, this guy's got too many wins, 39 of them, to not have more to show for it. I think the pressure stems for all these guys, whether it's Rodgers, LaFleur, uh, the general manager, for two reasons. One, nobody knows if this is the last time that you know, all of those guys are, are together. We don't know what's going to happen after the season. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is they've won more regular season games uh, over the last three seasons, 39 of them, yeah. uh, than any team that uh, has failed to get to a Super Bowl. Like if they don't get to a Super Bowl, this will be the, the most wins in three years for a team that never got to the Super Bowl in any one of those three years. So wow. to me, that, that's where the pressure stems from. That's not a stat you like <laughs> if you're a Green Bay Packers fan. That's not a statistic you want. If they go 0-3 after winning 39 games without getting back to a Super Bowl, I mean, is, is that on LaFleur? Is that on Aaron Rodgers? I don't think it's on the general manager. I mean, to lead the league in wins again, to host playoff games, and to not, if they don't get back to the Super Bowl, that's, that's probably on the head coach in LaFleur. And you can go back to last year's NFC Championship game, and I'm not putting the cart before the horse. I don't know if Green Bay is going to win this game on, on Saturday night. But LaFleur's decision to kick on fourth down late in that game against Tampa Bay, I, there are a lot of people then and now still scratching their head about that decision. Meanwhile, on the other side, as I mentioned, Jimmy Garoppolo, let's be honest. There's a reason they drafted Trey Lance. All right, Jimmy Garoppolo. I saw one report that Jimmy Garoppolo might actually fetch a first-day NFL draft pick. I cannot believe that uh, after their win against Dallas in a game where they were very lucky that Dak Prescott decided to run the clock out on his team's season, on his own team's season, Jimmy G played average, below average, 172 passing yards, no touchdowns, had the one interception. But he said he's now moving on, getting ready for Green Bay. I mean, whenever you got battle at the end like that, that's what it shows real team, shows, you know, you look guys in the eyes and see who's in, in that moment and ready for it. And 
It's just going to do us well down down the road. You know, this isn't. It's not going to be easy going into Lambeau. Uh, we know it's going to be a tough challenge for us, but we're ready for it. He has never played in an NFL game where the temperature was below 40 at kickoff. The kickoff tomorrow night temperature zero. <laughs> All right, that dude has never been in a cold, 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 cold weather game in his NFL career. And tomorrow will be the coldest game he will ever, and it's not even close. Like, you know, 42 degrees, okay, 40 degrees, whatever. We're ta- I mean, if you're lis- listening to us right now in Des Moines, this is the temperature it's going to be at Lambeau tomorrow night. This is it. I don't know how you play football in that cold of weather. I have no idea how. I don't even like walking in weather that cold. But it's going to be this cold tomorrow as it is here in Iowa, up in Wisconsin, up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, coming up. Uh, for this one. And this rivalry between Green Bay and San Francisco and Kaepernick and the curb stomping that the Niners gave Green Bay two years ago when they went out to the Bay in the NFC Championship game and all that, it's a bit of a rivalry. And, of course, everybody knows, I don't know if you heard this before, but the Niners passed on Aaron Rodgers in the draft 15 years ago, 16 years ago, whatever year that was. And Rodgers was asked about all that extra motivation not really any motivation. Motivation comes from within. I already have enough uh, motivation on that. Inspiration, you know, I did watch this rivalry growing up. One big moment that sticks out was uh, young to T.O. for sure. And I think a lot of Packer fans talk about there being a, a fumble on that drive that wasn't, uh, wasn't called. But no extra motivation. It's just, you know, I've, I've been, been around, played a lot of football. I understand uh, the history uh, of our of this rivalry, the history of us uh, against them, but these are two different teams. Rodgers is 0-3 against the Niners in the playoffs, the team that he idolized, the team that he watched growing up, the California kid, the kid from California, all that crap. He, they need to win this football game because what if they lose? What, what if, because if San Francisco loses, it's the end of the road for Jimmy Garoppolo. He'll get moved. They'll get traded for whatever they can get for them because they drafted Trey Lance. They've got the young... They have a really good young core in San Francisco. They got Debo Samuel. They got Brandon Ayuk. They got Eli Mitchell. They got the young quarterback who, you know, has been kind of a gadget guy, gimmick guy. You might see him come in for a couple of running plays at some point in this game on Saturday night. But that's the future. The future is Debo Samuel, Trey, uh, Trey Lance, Brandon Ayuk, Eli Mitchell and George Kittle. And I even talked about Kittle, who I am terrified. As a Packers fan, I am terrified of what he's going to do tomorrow night. That's a dude, he's crazy. Iowa fan, you know, your guy, your boy, he's crazy. He seems like the kind of guy that thrives in cold weather like this. The guy that just is, is chomping at the bit to not be able to feel his arms. Like, that's the kind of guy I feel like George Kittle is. He is a wild man. He plays with his hair on fire. He's torched Green Bay before. And he is arguably the best tight end in football. Kelsey, Kittle, Mark Andrews, maybe Darren Waller. There's your big four. But if the Niners lose this game, they're in good shape going forward. Bosa's still going to be coming around. Fred Warner's still going to be there. And they got a good group on offense. they got the best left tackle in football, maybe, in Trent Williams. I mean, they're, they're kind of set to make another run next year, improve next year, take a few lumps early next season with Trey Lance and get back to contending for the NFC West. I can easily see that. If Green Bay loses, if Green Bay loses, is that how Aaron Rodgers is going to go out 
is that how his career with the Green Bay Packers is going to end? You know, the last pass that Brett Favre threw was an interception. The last pass he threw to Packers uniform was in the NFC Championship game when the Giants came in and he threw the pick. And Aaron Rodgers, or Mr. Brett Favre, never looked colder in my mind than in that football game. You could tell, ooh, that might be the end. Now he went on to have a decent year in, in New York and he had a great year in Minnesota. And then the wheels fell off and Father Time caught up with him. Rodgers isn't to that point yet. Nowhere near Father Time stalking him. But if the Packers do lose, is that going to be it? Is he going to look at management and say, trade me, the last dance? They're going to franchise Devontae most likely. Or is he going to want to say, you know, I'm coming back for one more. We have to do it this year. Because that's what this year was. This was, this was the swan song. This was the, we got to get it done because I'm not going to be here. I think if the Packers lose... I think that's going to be it for Aaron Rodgers. And the speculation will begin. It'll run wild. And then you'll start hearing about the Raiders and the Broncos and this team and that team. And I say send him to Pittsburgh. Get him in the AFC North. Send him to Cleveland. Get him in the AFC North. Green Bay doesn't see Cleveland for or the entire AFC North for four more years. So that's the Packers and the Niners. Coming up, Cincinnati and Tennessee. And while... Derrick Henry is back. I don't think he's necessarily, his production, I don't think is necessarily the key to a Tennessee win. I'll tell you who is the key coming up next. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One zero two one FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. It's Wicket's World. I'm Mike Wicket. What is up? Happy Friday. Big basketball day tomorrow here on ESPN Des Moines, which is great because we need something to get us to the NFL games, right? Syracuse and Duke play tomorrow. Uh, you can hear that one right here on ESPN Des Moines from our friends at ESPN Radio. Tip off at 11. We'll jump, uh, jump in right at tip. And then afterwards, my guy Michael Admire. Uh, the Drake men's basketball team are up, uh, heading up to UNI. 4.30 for the pregame tomorrow. 5 o'clock for the tip here on ESPN Des Moines. Kira, do we have a game Sunday? Do we have a Drake women's game? Nothing on Sunday? Wide open Sunday. All right. Wide open on Sunday. Uh, Grant Cohen going to join me from Sports Illustrated. Writes for the All 49ers. And uh, we'll, we'll, we're basically going to bookend the Packers and Niners coverage on the day. Because I just did a lot on Green Bay and San Francisco. I like Green Bay straight up. I, I have a, in the NFL, here's what I learned this year especially. If you're a better, in the NFL, favorites win and cover for the most part, except week 18. But for the most part, favorites win and cover. And they did a lot last week in the NFL playoffs. In college, dogs barked a lot this season. You can go check all the numbers against the spread. Dogs were huge. Not in the college national championship game and not in the Georgia-Michigan game, but everywhere else, for the most part, dogs barked. In this particular game, with that matchup being what it is, Green Bay at minus five and a half. I, I see, that number is such a close number. I'll take Green Bay straight up. And am I betting with my head or my heart when it comes to that number? I, I think San Francisco keeps this one close. Give me the Niners and those points. 
even though I, I feel like Green Bay has all these people telling them how it's supposed to be close and they're not supposed to blow them out despite being the number one seed. But like something like, you know, 27-24, something that's going to make me bite all of the fingernails off of my hands and pull all of the hair. And I, I, will, I will drink all of the beer. All right, fine. I will do it because I'm that dedicated of a fan. The early game tomorrow is Cincinnati at Tennessee. Now, Cincinnati last week against Vegas didn't exactly play great. They played well, I guess. They didn't exactly blow the doors off of the Raiders. You know, the Raiders gave the ball up and made a ton of mistakes in that first half. The controversial touchdown pass where Burrow was running to his right, running to his right, running to his right, almost stepped out of bounds, but at the last second threw the ball to Boyd in the end zone. But if you watch the replay, that whistle blew before he threw the football. And at any point when the whistle blows, the play should have been blown dead. It was not. Even the replay shows you that that ball hadn't been thrown yet and the whistle had blown and it should have been called dead and they should have had a, a redo of the down. But it didn't go down that way. And then the referees doubling down. Oh, no, the, the ball was clearly in the air. And the re- no, it was not. We can all watch it. We can all see it. So Raiders fans have reason to be upset. I don't know if it makes a difference at the end of that one. But now Cincinnati moves on. And now here are the Tennessee Titans, 12-5. and five. And if Matt LaFleur is not your coach of the year, Mike Vrabel is your coach of the year in the National Football League for holding this team together without their MVP and without their big offseason acquisition on offense and Julio Jones. No Derrick Henry, no Julio, A.J. Brown in and out of the lineup. I mean, they're getting it done with guys that, you know, you, if you're a fantasy nerd like I am, you weren't drafting Duante Foreman back in August. You didn't know who but Nick Ikene Westbrook or Westbrook Ikene was. Nobody, Anthony Ferkser, that's a bad streaming option is what he is. But somehow Tennessee won the division. Not a great division, but they won their division. They went 12-5. and five. They were off last week. And now they get a healthy Derrick Henry back. I feel good. I mean, I have a big steel plate on my foot. That's only different from the from the left foot to the right. But I mean, I, I feel good. Just you know, I haven't did anything like two and a half months. So you know, just getting back out there, getting acclimated to everything, and you know, getting back to being me. Can you play that again, please? Just the part where he talks I feel about good. right here. I mean, I have a big steel plate on my foot. That's only different from the from the left foot to the right. Oh, but, that's the only difference. I, I, I said you just have a big steel plate in your foot. I, what does that feel like? I mean, he had the foot injury back in in week eight. He's missed the last couple of months of the season, and now he's running with a steel plate in his foot. I don't know what that does to a guy's performance, but for years we kept asking ourselves, what happens to Derrick Henry? Can even a big dude like that, with more carries than everybody over the last four or five years, can he hold up? And even Derrick Henry couldn't hold up. You know, the foot injury sidelined him. I remember when it was like, okay, Henry's going to have the foot surgery. He might be able to come back for the first week of the playoffs if the Tennessee Titans can survive. And I remember thinking, no way. There is no way that Derrick Henry is going to be back. Plus, I don't think Tennessee is going to survive that long. I mean, how good is is Ryan Tannehill? That's a good physical front on the defensive side of the ball. Um, You know, the, the injury to Julio Jones, he's been kind of a bust of an offensive signing. But I do think... If you're going to look at where this game could be won by Tennessee, look, Cincinnati's not stupid. Cincinnati knows they have to put eight guys in the box, and that's going to open up on the outside 
for A.J. Brown and for Julio Jones. And A.J. Brown, man, when that guy is healthy, he is one of the top five receivers in the NFL. The problem for A.J. Brown is he's never been able to stay healthy. Julio has been a warrior for his entire future Hall of Fame NFL career, but he has not been healthy. And I remember wanting him on the Green Bay Packers in the offseason, and thank God they didn't sign him because he's been in like four games or whatever. With the week off, Brown was hurt for a while but had a monster game late in the year. I think with those guys on the outside, if Cincinnati is going to stack the box with eight guys, they definitely need to because Henry's a monster, then that's going to open things up for Brown and for Julio Jones and for Ryan Tannehill to use play action and pick them apart. What's Cincinnati do offensively against the, uh, the Tennessee defense? Well, I mean, you put the ball in the hands of Joe Burrow, right? That's what you do. They're for 4,600 4, yards, 36 touchdowns. He's the future. He's calm. He's cool. He's collected. He's played in big games. And ESPN's Keyshawn Johnson trusts him. You know, he's young, but he got that, that first game out the way. So now he's a veteran in the playoffs as far as I'm concerned. When you Good. look at the quarterback position in Joe Burrow, he has, you mentioned T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon out of the backfield. He is calm, cool, and collective. The scenery will not be too big for him. The Tennessee Titans secondary is not very good. Elijah Moten hasn't had a great season this year. He's young at the position. They've got to target him, but the rest of those guys as well. And I think if they go in to Tennessee with that mindset, the same mindset that they had against the Raiders in the weeks before that, they'll win this football game and be marching to the AFC Championship game. Ooh. I mean, they've got all the skill positions. I don't know if there's a better set of skill position players in the National Football League I'm pretty certain there's not a better set of skill position players left in these playoffs. I mean, look, uh, you know, maybe the Rams, because Tampa Bay's players are so injured. Tennessee doesn't have, I mean, I, you throw in Julio Jones. He's not the healthiest guy in the world, as I mentioned. You know, Derrick Henry back, okay, maybe. But Cincinnati, one through three at the receiver spot with Higgins and Boyd and, and Jamar Chase, who's going to just be phenomenal for the next 10 years in this league. Joe Mixon is a stud. Those guys with Burrow under center, they can score points. The question isn't about Tennessee's secondary. To me, the question is about Cincinnati's offensive line. Mediocre at best. Tennessee will ragdoll a couple of those guys. What does Burrow do when he is under duress? What does Burrow do when he is under pressure? Tennessee, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I do like the brashness of the Cincinnati team. I do like the possibility that they could catch a couple of huge plays score some points can tennessee keep up what percentage is henry at if i'm going to pick an upset I, I i like tennessee to win this football game but i like another dog in those points just because i can see cincinnati scoring if they can get burrow time if they chip if p Ryan and mixon can get him an extra half second those wide receivers are fantastic. Am I just going to go ahead and pick? I'll, uh, you know what? I've talked myself into it. Kira, I talked myself into it. There's got to be one upset. I pray to God it's not happening at Lambeau Field. But I'm going to tell you, the upset is going to happen in Nashville. All right? Okay. Going on record. All right. Cincinnati is going to win this football game. I when can't the, believe I'm saying that. When the podcast goes up yeah. and you <laughs> listen back to it, Great. it's only yourself. You, you have. I just have me to blame. I'm talking yeah, myself yeah. into <laughs> picking a three and a half. But think about this: they're a three and a half point dog. Home field advantage is worth three points. If this game were being played in Cincinnati, 
the Bengals would be favored in this game. If this was a neutral site game, if they were playing this game in Tacoma, Washington, it's a pick 'em. It's a half point spread. It's a pick 'em game. I like Burrow a lot, man. I think he's going to be an absolute stud and one of the faces in the NFL for the next decade. I'm going to take Cincinnati. I can't believe I'm doing that. All right, up next, the last two games, the Rams go to Tampa. Everything says take the Rams, right? I'll tell you why not to take the Rams next. You're listening to Wicket's World on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. It's Wicket's World. I'm Mike Wicket. Thanks so much for checking us out. Happy to have you here on a Friday. NFC, AFC divisional games coming up tomorrow. We will talk to Grant Cohen, who covers the San Francisco 49ers in about 12 minutes from right now, talking Niners and Packers at the end of the show. Kansas City and Buffalo, that's your Sunday nighter coming up tomorrow night, or Sunday night, excuse me. And last week, I mean, it it was a 12-and-a-half-point spread. I told you last week that wasn't enough. Pittsburgh just had really no chance with that offense going into Kansas City. They needed the Chiefs to play a terrible game. At one point, it was seven to nothing on the uh, the the T.J. Watt interception, the the hit that he scooped and went in. Still, I don't think any Steelers fan felt confident. I don't think any Chiefs fan felt worried in that football game. But here comes a different animal in the Buffalo Bills, who just I was shocked. This was the the surprise of the weekend to me. It was not just that they beat New England. I picked them to beat New England, but I thought. Belichick would keep it close, and they got obliterated on Saturday night. It was a horrible football game to watch. And, and this Bills team has been told that they don't belong atop the AFC East for, you know, a long, long time. It's been the New England Patriots division. And then you, you add in a guy like Josh Allen, and they've got all their weapons. And somewhere down the line, Buffalo in the back of their mind is thinking, no, man, this is, this is our year. We're building, we're building, we're building. And they're right there about to ascend to the top of the AFC now that they've slayed one dragon can they go back and slay another dragon can they beat this Kansas City team that beat them in the AFC championship game a year ago Bart Scott who you normally hear at this time on ESPN Des Moines says yes they built this team to beat who the Kansas City Chiefs because they saw how Tampa got after Mahomes, it wasn't just with the outside pressure, it was the interior pressure. So they went out, they already had spent a lot of equity on Espiniza. They went out and got Ed Oliver. Oliver. And I think this is I think this is their year. I, I'm not I'm not surprised to hear that the spread's like what, two and a half, one and a half. This is basically a toss up game uh in in Kansas City being played at Arrowhead on Sunday night, ESPN's Lewis Riddick. I think they need to do what they have done now, let's just say, over the past four or five weeks. Be content in playing the long game on offense. Don't try to get the, the big play over the top, the big shot play where Tyree can do backflips in the end zone simply because you're getting impatient. Make sure Daryl Williams is able to run the football. Make sure Travis is utilized first and second level in the middle of the field. And Patrick, don't turn the ball over like he did in the first game against Buffalo, which is ultimately what cost them. If they do that on the offensive side, they'll move the football methodically. They'll get their points. Defensively, here's the key, though. Defensively, Josh Allen cannot do to them what he, had, what he did to them in the first game, which was that's when you first saw Buffalo start using him as a runner. And I think it caught Kansas City off guard. 
every single game where Josh has said, you know what, I can beat you with my arm. We all know that. But I can also beat you with, on quarterback design runs. If he does that to them, then it's going to be a long game for them. I think he's right about that. Um, defensively, Melvin Ingram on the outside was such a big pickup midseason at the trade deadline. And then Chris Jones moving back to the inside because that was a mistake. Now you have your inside, your outside, your outside contain. But I'll tell you what, man, I don't know if there is a more dangerous weapon in the National Football League than Josh Allen. I mean, the guy has got a rocket. When he plays, remember, this is the same guy that lost to Jacksonville five weeks ago. But when Josh Allen plays at his elite level, I don't know. And this comes from a guy who's an Aaron Rodgers fan. I don't know if there is a more dangerous weapon with legs and arm than Josh Allen. I'm going to take Kansas City because they are at home. If this game was in Buffalo, I would take the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to take Kansas City to cover the point and a half or two and a half or whatever it might be. But this could be one of those games where whoever has the ball last wins. I'm not saying they can't play defense, but the offensive playmakers in this game with Diggs and Knox and Gabriel and all those guys that Josh Allen has to throw to, and then, of course, Mahomes with all of his weapons, it just could be one of those games that lights up the scoreboard. Rams, Buccaneers. Everybody is talking about the Rams winning this game. Tristan Wirfs is hurt, the uh, former Iowa Hawkeye. Ryan Jensen, their center, is hurt along Tampa's offensive line. Oh, my gosh. How, are, how in the world are they going to contain Aaron Donald and Von Miller? All of those guys. They still have Tom Brady. All right? Remember, my two rules in sports betting, I have two rules in sports. One, don't ever bet on Gonzaga to win your NCAA championship pool. Don't do it. Never going to happen. And number two, don't bet against Tom Brady. The guy figures out ways to win. He doesn't do anything exotic. He stands back there. You know exactly where he's going to be. He might take a step left. He might take a step right. He might take a step up. You know, but he's so smart and aware of where Aaron Donald is going to be, of where Von Miller is going to be, of where Jalen Ramsey is going to be, and he can get the ball to all his different guys. Leonard Fournette getting some action again this week is going to be huge. You know, there's no Antonio Brown. Godwin's hurt. It comes down to Mike Evans, V.J. Lynn Ramsey, but Gronkowski, all these guys. Other side of the football, you know, there's still, I think, a ton of pressure on these Rams to go ahead and get a win. Tampa head coach Bruce Arians was asked about containing maybe the best wide receiver in the National Football League in Cooper Cup. He's one of the best. I think he and Chris Godwin, to me, are the best all-around receivers in the league because they block, they do everything, inside, outside, and they're very comparable um, and you know how I think about Chris. So uh, Cooper is, um, he's a challenge, man. And um, you can't double team him all day, that's for sure. And uh, they got too many other weapons. So you just got to, you got to own up your guy and, and fight him. He is a hard tackle, just like Chris is. I think Odell Beckham Jr. has seven touchdown catches since coming over from the Browns. I think that obviously he's a guy that Arians is talking about. Uh, you know, Cam Akers, back six months after popping an Achilles, he ran for 95 yards. They got Sony Michelle. I mean, they've got weapons as well. But who do you trust to win a big game? With all the chips on the table, you trust Matt Stafford or do you trust Tom Brady? Taking Brady. <laughs> I, I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that right now, and Stafford didn't play well, didn't have to play real well in that last game. But I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady at home with everything on the line. 
Tampa's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I'll take the Bucks to win. I'll take the Bucks to cover. Coming up on the other side, we're going to go out to the Bay. We're going to talk to Grant Cohen from Sports Illustrated. He covers the 49ers. We'll get his side. Grant, by the way, has never been one to uh, shy away from criticizing Jimmy Garoppolo. So I imagine that's the direction we will head at some point. What the Niners are going to have to do to beat Green Bay. Grant Cohen from SI joins me next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. I'm Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. We've been talking a lot about all of these NFC and AFC playoff games. Divisional weekend is here. Now I open talking about my Green Bay Packers talking, uh, taking on these uh, San Francisco 49ers and how the entire world says this is the worst matchup possible for Green Bay. Joining me from Sports Illustrated, he covers the San Francisco 49ers. And what I like so much about him, A, he's the best dressed man in all of San Francisco media. <laughs> and B, he has never told me no from my podcast to when I was on another radio station here in Iowa. Grant Cohen is with me. Grant, you have never said no to me. I really appreciate you coming on, man. I appreciate you always reaching out. We always have a good time. We do. Um, usually, in the last couple of years, when we'd spend my Packers and your Niners, we've talked about a potential curb stomping that has happened at the hands of the San Francisco 49ers, and my, my Packers not doing so hot. But this game, I think, it, it's a very different Green Bay, uh, Green Bay Packers team and Niners matchup. Where do you look at the entire narrative of all these people, Grant, saying this is the worst matchup the Packers could possibly have with the Niners coming into Lambeau to play at zero-degree weather? I mean, I don't think it's anything particularly specific about the Packers. The way I look at the Niners right now is halfway through the season, they figured out that they have... Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. They, they figured out they have, like, the best player in the league, the best non-quarterback in the league, Debo Samuel. You could argue with that, but... Since about halfway through the season, they've been giving him carries as a running back. And when they give him at least six in a game, they're 7-0. Oh. They're undefeated. So it's as simple as, can Green Bay shut down Debo Samuel, the running back? If they can, they'll win. If they can't, they'll lose. And pretty much no one has done it yet. When they faced each other week three, Debo wasn't a running back yet. So it pretty much boils down to that, that entirely, that one player. The ground game is is scary. Like I, I mean, I'm sitting here wearing a Charles Woodson Packers jersey, and you know I've got my, uh, my my gear ready for tomorrow night and all that kind of stuff. But the ground game between Debo and Eli Mitchell, who came out of nowhere, it really is a scary couple of guys they have back there. And then Ayuk, who you know slow start to the year, they can utilize that guy with quick throws in open space too. It, it seems like the plan is there for Green Bay to stop. Now, can they? Is the bigger question. The thing also is, like, Jimmy Garoppolo is playing really bad right now. He's injured, and he has excuses. He's got a thumb injury. He's got a shoulder injury. But he's thrown five picks in the last three games, and the Niners are really winning in spite of him. So, like, what Elijah Mitchell does, he's a good running back, but what he does is basically take the ball away from Jimmy. <laughs> That's what he does, and he, and he doesn't fumble. He's never fumbled in his career, didn't fumble in college. I hope I'm not jinxing him, but... That's basic, and he's he's a solid running back. But Debo is a special one. Debo's averaging six yards a carry. He's averaging a touchdown every seven and a half carries. He's scoring from an average of sixteen and a half yards out. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous video game numbers, and no one has a no one's really had uh, an answer for it yet. 
do you think the Packers can shut him down? I mean, do they have the, the linebackers and, and the defense to do this? I mean, Devondre Campbell's been an all-pro. They get okay. Zadarius Smith back, but, I mean, he hasn't played a single snap all year. So it's like, where is Zadarius Smith going to be at? This year's Preston Smith is much better than last year's Preston Smith, but he's more of a, a guy who rushes the quarterback and, and seeks and destroys. So I, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm cautiously optimistic about this one. I think it's go- If I was a betting man, it would be take the Niners in the five and a half. I think the factor that, you know, really divides this is the fact that it's going to be zero degrees or two degrees when this game kicks off. And Jimmy has never played in a game anywhere close to this cold. I think the weather is such a big factor in this game. You know, ball gets wet. Who's used to playing it? There's no snow in the forecast. But I think that plays really obviously into a team like Green Bay, who's played in this a lot, into their advantage. Well, keep in mind, he did go to Eastern Illinois, and he's from Chicago. But uh, he has... A, a torn ligament in his thumb, mm. and it's already difficult for him to throw the ball. I mean, that's why he's throwing so many interceptions right now. He can't really control the football. And he has a, a sprained shoulder as well. So I would think that the goal for the 49ers would pretty much be to replicate what they did two years ago, throw as little as possible. If they could win throwing eight times, Ugh. I would yeah. think they would try. And I don't see why they would do anything else because right now their running game is just been kind of unstoppable. I have I have nightmares about that game still. Yeah. Grant Cohen joining me from Sports Illustrated. Follow him on Twitter at Grant Cohn. That's C-O-H-N. How much Trey Lance can we expect to see, you know, if Jimmy is ineffective at doing whatever Jimmy does in the first half? It's interesting um, because the last time the Niners and Packers faced each other, Lance was a big part of that. He kept coming into the game. There was a Trey Lance package. He scored since then. They don't use him anymore. It's the, it's the strangest thing. Everyone in the Bay Area is trying to explain why but he is not featured in the offense anymore. We're not going to see him unless Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt. And even if he does get hurt, he'll probably stay in the game, and they'll keep Trey Lance on the bench. I have no – I think they're basically just conspiracy theories. And, I, I mean, to me, it's like Kyle's comfortable with Jimmy in the sense that he knows how to call games and work around his weaknesses. And I think he's also comfortable using Jimmy Garoppolo as sort of like the human shield. So if and when they do lose, it's Jimmy's fault. As opposed to if, if Trey were to play, you can't blame the rookie quarterback for not winning the Super Bowl. So it's, you know what I mean? So I, I just think Kyle likes using Jimmy as, as, the, uh, as the, the human shield, and Jimmy's been doing it for five years. He's good at it. Does eight in the box slow down Debo? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no one has solved this yet. No, and, and what happens is like What if Niners they put 11 just, in the box? What if everybody's right. just in there and it's 11 guys staring at Debo Samuel? <laughs> That's, that's what the Rams tried a couple of weeks ago, and then Debo Samuel threw a touchdown pass because they sold out to stop him. I mean, he's really quite difficult right now. Uh, I don't know. I guess I, – I, I don't know. Joe Barry's going to have to have something special. George Kittle, to me, I mean, he only had the one catch last week. Again, we can go back to criticizing Jimmy Garoppolo. And if you want to see a lot of Garoppolo criticism, follow Grant on Twitter, <laughs> at Grant Cohen. Um, but one catch for 18 yards. I mean, I still have nightmares of him just running wheel routes into wide open spaces and going for 60 yards against this Green Bay defense. I, the fact that he had a bad game last week with no football right. analysis means, God, are they going to switch this offense and focus and, and push to get the ball to Kittle in any way that they can? Because there's the, there's the Kelsey crowd. There's the Mark Andrews crowd. The West Coast is probably a Kittle fan. Like, this is a guy that is as dangerous a weapon as there's going to be in this football game. Absolutely, and he seems like he always goes off against the Packers. He had a good game against them earlier this year. He's coming off a slow game. He's a captain. This is a big play. I think they're going to lean on him. I would think the game plan is going to feature him. But, again, I mean, 
if they if, if their emphasis is throw the ball to Kittle a lot, that's a mistake because that involves Jimmy Garoppolo throwing. <laughs> I, I, it's not, it's not, and that's the thing about the Niners. Debo Samuel shouldn't have to be a running back. That's why I think he really should be in the MVP uh, conversation. Like, if Debo were on the Packers, he'd just be a wide receiver. But since Jimmy is so turnover prone, they literally have to put their best wide receiver at running back so Jimmy can just hand it to him. And he's great at it. Like, what happens every week is the Niners will get to, like, the 20, 25-yard line. They'll just hand off to Debo and he'll score from, like, 25 yards out. Who does that? So if you can stop that, you've got to expect the Debo-Samuel handoff from right outside the red zone because that's how they score. I am all about selling out to slow down Debo Samuel. Yeah. I, I, I am yeah. totally fine with that. Defensively, yeah. where can Green Bay pick apart San Francisco? Defensively, where can they pick apart uh, San Francisco? Well, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get them passing because it's not just Jimmy. It's also the offensive line. Aside from Trent Williams, the left tackle, all those offensive linemen are, are run blocking specialists. Uh, so you just gotta get them passing. Well, basically, this is what you do. If you get Jimmy Garoppolo to throw 25 passes, he'll throw at least one pick. If you get him to throw 35 passes, he'll probably throw two picks. So you just got to get the, the, the Niners' run-pass ratio out of whack, and some teams are better at doing it than others. Grant, other side of the ball, when Rodgers has it, where are the weaknesses in that San Francisco defense? Oh, is that what you were asking? Okay. I, I think I asked the question backwards, and you just played it off like a true professional. Okay, okay, I got you. Um, <laughs> it's, the, it's their secondary. It's, it's, a, it's okay. Uh, it's different than it was week three. Week three, the Niners had Josh Norman starting at corner. He got hurt, then they brought in their fifth-round pick, Diamador Lenore, who essentially gave it up at the end on the last drive. He's out now, and they have their third-round pick, Ambry Thomas, who's really playing well right now. I'm sure it, uh, Aaron Rodgers will test him. But you got Ambry Thomas on one side, Emmanuel Mosley on the other side, K1 Williams in the slot. He got burned right away week three and left the game with a hamstring injury. I'm sure they'll go after him. But really right now, the Niners' defense is solid across the board. They're good against the run. Their pass rush is varied and deep. Their secondary is solid. Uh, their team is really solid right now, like across the board except for their quarterback. It's quite amazing. Like you could, Everyone's saying Jimmy Garoppolo. I, can't, I keep going back to Jimmy. Everyone's saying he's leading them through the playoffs. He's legitimately their worst starter on the team. And he's their <laughs> biggest liability. And everyone agrees that like, as long as Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't throw picks, the Niners should be pretty good. Well, what does that say about him? The defense really is going to give Aaron Rodgers some problems because even if Bosa isn't 100%, the Niners have Arden Key, Eric Armstead, uh, Samson Ebicom, Charles Amenahu. They have this like the best defensive line coach in the league. They're a pretty tough unit. If the, uh, the Niners do lose, and I imagine there's a ton of confidence in, in the Bay right now, <laughs> is there, are they moving on from Jimmy? Like, Is this Jimmy's swan song? Is he playing for his next job right now? I think so. I don't think Kyle wants him here anymore. I think Kyle Shanahan wanted like, want, like the, the Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith transitionary year, but I don't think he wants two years of it. And I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo wants another year of this. I mean, it's probably pretty awkward for both of them, and I think they probably sold each other on it being mutually beneficial for one year. But I think both sides are going to want the breakup this offseason. And if they win the Super Bowl, I think the Niners will look at it as like, great, well, you're worth more in a trade now. And I think Jimmy will probably look at it the same way, like, great, I'll – you know, so a better team will be interested in me. That'll be the best. I, I think, I don't think anyone wants him back. If the Niners win the Super Bowl with him, it, it'll be like the Ravens winning the Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer. I don't think it really changes anything. <laughs> he plays the same exact way. Every- <laughs> hey, Grant, thanks for coming on. As always, man, I appreciate it. Enjoy the game. I hope you have a miserable night tomorrow night. 
Hey, let me just say something real quick. I am not a 49ers fan. <laughs> if the Niners lose, I might enjoy that just as much as you. I, I enjoy any outcome as long as I win. I just want to say that clearly. Follow him on Twitter at Grant Cohen for his winning and for Jimmy Garoppolo's slander. You can read his work in Sports Illustrated, all 49ers. Grant, you rock, man. Thank you for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Best dressed man in all of the San Francisco sports media and Jimmy Garoppolo's biggest fan, Grant Cohen, again, on Twitter, at Grant Cohen. That's it. We're done. We're out of here. Thanks to Kira. Thanks to Grant for coming on. Thanks to you for listening. Oh, you're taking me out with meatloaf? Oh. R.I.P. meatloaf. We'll do it again next week. See ya.